God, may you guide my thoughts and words this morning. May I preach your word with integrity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is the Reverend Julia Matiana Friedman. I am, as you probably know, the newest member of the staff as the youth and family minister. It has been wonderful and a fulfilling role to begin over the last few months as I prioritize the care and spiritual growth of the next generation. I wanted to share a bit about myself. My dad was born and raised in Colombia, South America. He immigrated in the 70s and came with not much more than the clothes that he was wearing. He left everything from their rural farm town in the bush of Columbia, and they were extremely poor and had a home with a dirt floor. He lived through much of the Colombian violence and had not seen canned vegetables until he came to America. I'm a first-generation college graduate, and I feel so blessed to be where I am today. I intend to be resourceful, scrappy, and in many ways the daughter of a Latin immigrant. I am ordained as a Free Methodist elder, which is a Wesleyan holiness tradition. Last week, Reverend Christopher spoke about three Advents, the past historical Advent, the present preparation that we do during this Christmas season, and then the future Advent and coming of Christ. I appreciated this framework so much because it helped me locate the scriptures for this morning, much of which speaks about the future Advent, or the coming of Christ. Paul to the Romans speaks of hope. The Gospel explains that the kingdom of heaven is near and that John the Baptist is the one who prepares the way for the coming Christ. And of course, Isaiah, who envisions a world where the lamb and the lion will be together. I love in the passage of Isaiah where the children um, are the ones who lead. And the children will lie down with the leopard. It's a preacher's dream when the scriptures align with the theme for a given Sunday. And this Sunday, in my opinion, is no different. As a family pastor, I spend a great deal of time thinking about the future generation. And I find it personally and professionally fulfilling to find creative ways to give the next generation a voice in our community. And these scriptures reflect on the future in a way as well. Today, my focus is going to be on Isaiah, which is a prophetic book that has two major guiding themes, judgment and hope. This morning is a passage of hope. A time is described when the lamb and the lion will lie down together, where reconciliation and peace reigns. Similarly, in this gospel reading, John the Baptist speaks of a coming future. He clearly places himself as the preparer for the future to come. I think we can all admit that we haven't reached that point of fully realized world that Isaiah and Matthew speak about. Even 2,000 years later, our country is wildly divided, our communities and even our churches, if I'm being honest, are divided. All we have to do is turn on the news for a few minutes to get a clear sense of it. Besides the apocalypse, Isaiah gives us some ideas about what the future with Christ might look like. It's not as maybe huge or grand as you might initially think. It's through the small and faithful acts that the world has changed towards God's peace. For instance, my friends, Isaiah 
that these two identities, for example, the lion and the lamb, or the leopard and the child, to name a few, don't fundamentally change who they are to become part of a working community together. Somehow the two will live in peace. In fact, the future hope Isaiah looks towards, the lion doesn't turn into the lamb or vice versa. Instead, the lion and the lamb maintain their differences and work together in peace. Friends, this is a radical form of community and peace that Isaiah illustrates. And in my opinion, it's free from suppression, oppression, or censorship. I'm compelled to highlight these themes because they are intensely important to the next generation of Christians. The ability to work together better because of our differences and diversity, a place where assimilation isn't the overriding goal. In a church context that seeks more intergenerational diversity, this is key. As I prepared for this Sunday, I was encouraged by this community's deep interest in bringing up the next I want to encourage you to continue to place our youth in our community to bring their own voice to our worship. And arguably, even more importantly, I want to commission you to find ways to be physically present with them. That may be in your own family systems, giving the team in your life a place to speak freely about their worldviews. Or for some of you, I've heard stories and know that it means honoring their gender identities, even if that's unfamiliar or uncomfortable for you. But I can't overemphasize or miss the opportunity to tell you that we have a need for more leaders to volunteer regularly in the ministry. Because your physical presence is everything for the next generation. The Fuller Youth Institute on the West Coast says that future generations are more likely to keep their faith when they graduate from high school, when they have five Christian adults regularly involved in their lives. That means more than just myself or Reverend Nancy, Reverend Christopher. It means more than one church school teacher. Each child needs five of you. Five of you to greet them by name on a Sunday morning. Five of you to be an example of the Christian lifestyle. Five of you to be present in their age-appropriate formation setting. Five. I don't have any profound insight on how to push us towards this peaceful vision Isaiah depicts. And the apocalyptic vision in the gospel doesn't give us any clear or sort of grand, magnificent steps to take. But as I see it, one practical way to impact this purpose very directly today is by being present with the next generation. Friends, it's an opportunity that we can't afford to miss out on. We have nearly 45 children and youth registered this year, and we need every single person's help to make a lasting impact on them. Because a staff member or a church school teacher isn't enough. I am deeply hopeful today because I know the next generation actually is indeed valuable to this community, which is why I take a moment to turn to the children and the youth who are here listening today. This is as much a sermon to you as it is to your parents and grandparents. I turn to all of you who are 5 to 18 years old, specifically. Thank you for your persistence. We need your voices, we need your opinions and worldviews. 
This community needs you. Forgive us when we forget to listen well. Forgive us when we miss our chance to connect with you. I urge you to keep coming despite our shortcomings. Because I know, friends, that we need you. I admire your advocacy, your compassion, your bravery, and your patience. Continue to press into who you are in the world and know that God loves you just the way you are. Friends, I believe we have an opportunity in this community to be part of a bright spot in the world. You have demonstrated your priority in the formation of children and youth. So I am confident that we have an opportunity as a congregation to be leaders in what ministry to youth and their families looks like post-COVID. We need everyone to find a way to be involved in this mission. Today, as you may well know, is Baptism Sunday. It's a day where we claim our own baptismal vows or remember those baptismal vows while watching a young one take their new baptismal vows. They are more than a graduating ceremony or a box to check off the liturgical to-do list. Baptismal vows are an initiation into the people of God, a commitment to the worldwide Christian community. I contend that spiritual formation doesn't happen in these significant and grand liturgical moments. While some something spiritual does occur during baptism, I contend, friends, that it's not actually formation. Instead, spiritual formation happens before and after the rite of baptism. Spiritual formation is Reverend Kathy asking the little one what their favorite part of the liturgy is at coffee hour. Spiritual formation happens when the usher remembers a child's name from week to week. Spiritual formation happens when we give student readers a chance to share their gifts with our community at the lectern. And in all the many, many small ways that we reach into their lives on a regular and weekly basis. In a few moments, you will take a, make a commitment to come alongside this child and raise them in the way of Christ. It is a commitment that you've made countless times and that is a commitment to a way of life in our church community that goes beyond the high points of baptism and confirmation, but reaches into the everyday lives of our youth and children. So, before I leave you this morning with a blessing for big love and small things, I want to ask you this. As we await the arrival of the birth of Christ this winter, will you give of your time and presence in the spiritual growth of the next generation? This blessing comes from a professor of mine from Duke Divinity School, Dr. Kate Bowler. And I need to use it specifically for parents of teens, church school teachers, nursery care providers, and all those who intend to find a place within the family ministry here at Trinity. Most often, these are the folks who aren't looking for recognition or credit of any kind. They serve faithfully each week behind the scenes. It's a prayer for the courage to love small. Dear God, bless me with radical love, inventor of love. And may that love overflow onto, into, and through all of us. Flood us with your kindness, generosity, and compassion. 
so that we may be your hands and feet in the world. Help us to remember that love isn't always in grand gestures or extravagant gifts, but in a small, faithful act. Help me to remember it is in showing up, in the work behind the scenes, in doing that which won't get us recognition, the one who is, in the, who is the first in and the last out, the generosity of time, resources, spirit, the one who leaves flowers in her wake. This is the long faithfulness that can change the world. God, bless us with the little way to be able to do small things with great love, one small action at a time, until it's a bridge with a span that reaches from our little lives to yours with each act of love. And when I screw up or forget or grow weary, bless us with the courage to begin again, loving and loving again, being changed by your love and transforming the world one little act of love at a time. May it be so. Amen. Amen.